Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 10 of Movie Dumpster. We're talking about Frankenstein Unbound from 1990, directed by Roger Corman. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. I'm from America. McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Time out, Doc. In the three months since you've been testing this thing, we've had freak weather, people disappearing, and these time slips. I'm sorry, but we have a very public crisis brewing here. All right, so we have a side effect to contend with. It's not the end of the world. I described this film as a Doctor Who episode where as soon as he steps off the TARDIS, he's like, well, fuck everything. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> he just stops caring. He just stops giving a shit about anything. This was like a fucking TNG episode for me. Captain Picard on a fucking holodeck, like living out his dreams the entire fucking movie. I'm going to go to Switzerland in the 1800s and go hang out with Victor Frankenstein. Everyone will speak English because it's a computer, but not this time. So this is the strangest time travel movie ever. I love this movie, sincerely, because it's wacky, wacky sci-fi shit emphasis on shit this is kind of my bread and butter that's uh, that's an understatement my problem is is, is is fucking boring for the first hour you're like you're like what okay where are you going well i'll t- i'll tell you where we're going we're going to new los angeles in the year 2031 oh my god the not so distant future that's what i said i, I you know we're gonna have some pretty fucking cool cars in about 10 years so how do we describe the plot of this film okay so john hurt for okay <laughs> No, I got this. Right out of the gate, we get a quote by Albert Einstein, okay? In a Frankenstein movie, by the way. Okay, and I'm like, what the what the fuck are we doing here? And it was it's the quote about like if he knew what we would do with the atom bomb, he wouldn't have made it or he would have stuck to making watches or what have you. So it's 2031 and the president has enlisted John Hurt to create a weapon that won't destroy the earth but will destroy their enemies. Turns out it fucks up the the time and space continuum and rips holes all over the fabric of that. It is the most irresponsible weapon I've ever heard of. Yeah, they it's it's like a laser weapon that makes your your whatever you're shooting at disappear and like displaces it in time and space. It's a fucking gamma ray. Which sounds like a great idea on paper. Let's smash particles and just fuck with the natural order of things. Uh, and then let's put it in laser form. When we come in, there's already a big giant tear in the sky. Like, he's he's been fucking with this for, for years now. Yes, and in doing so, he is literally, like, there's a rift that hangs out in the sky the whole film. That should be a glaring sign of like, hey, let's stop working on this. So, so that's the basic premise. And then the rest of the film, John Hurt gets sucked through his own man-made rip in the fabric of time and space. And he goes back to fucking 1871 and hangs out with Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, that's what he does. And he fucks Mary Shelley. <laughs> which, by the way, Mary Shelley and Victor Frankenstein both exist in the same universe in this movie, which is the silliest thing. Well, that's where she got the idea, Connor. She got the idea for the Frankenstein book. Because John Hurt made her. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts with that, that Einstein quote. It starts with fucking John Hurt walking across this icy desert. And he's dressed like Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) And I'm like, and I kept thinking like, now I just want a fucking John Hurt Obi-Wan Kenobi film that I'll never get. How dare you put that in the air? Well, you know, the thing is that like it telegraphs like not to put the cart before the horse. You know, it telegraphs the end of the movie, essentially. And if you've ever read or seen, uh, you know, maybe not the original Frankenstein from the 30s, but like any 
version of it that is more true to the book. Like, you know it kind of ends where they're in the Antarctic with Frankenstein and the monster having, like, their last uh, big fight. So it's, uh, like, I my read on that was, like, oh, he's Victor Frankenstein, and then he's talking about Einstein. Surprise! He is a scientist, okay? Yeah, I don't know. It, it just immediately, like, made me very confused for no reason. Mary Shelley's book ends on a fucking boat, but we can we can talk about that later. Go ahead. Well, it's, like, in, on a boat in the Antarctic. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my I'm gonna say my piece on that book in a little while. So oh, the uh, oh, I see what you're gonna do in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as uh, Joe was setting up earlier, and Connor, you know, if you know, it flashes to 2031, and uh, John Hurt, also known as uh, Doctor Buchanan, Joe Buchanan, Joe Buchanan. What a fucking regular ass dude name. Like that is the most fucking apple pie fucking name I've ever heard. Yeah, it's like someone who works at the fucking grocery store on the road. How you doing? My name is Joe Buchanan. Unfortunately, sounds nothing like that. He just sounds like John Hurt. Real quick, John Hurt's fucking cadence throughout this entire film is jarring because he's just like, Hi, I'm John Hurt, and I'm talking like this the entire movie. I'm overacting for whatever reason, and I can't figure out why. I kind of wish that him and Raul Julia had switched their performances and we could have gotten a lively reaction out of Raul Julia. Holy shit. Now that would have been a movie. Before we were talking and, and Connor and I were like, if he was fucking Gomez, like if he put on his Gomez. Oh my God, this movement a riot. Yeah, and, and the monster's played by fucking... Uh... Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's a movie. So like the mechanics of his weapon is they combine like the energy of a black hole and a laser and they just point at shit and make it go away. That's a bad idea. Yeah, but, you know, someone comes up to them, and they're like, hey, this is... They go, oh, people are disappearing. The weather's all fucked up. This is really dangerous. You need to stop. And he's like, well, uh, you know, there's some side effects to deal with. And it's like, dude, there's a big fucking hole in the sky. That's not a side effect. That's an effect. And there's time slides happening. Yeah. Okay? So there, So there's rips... In the fabric of the space-time continuum. It looks like fucking Galactus coming in. It looks like a giant vagina opening in the fucking sky. Um, I love when someone goes up to him and they're explaining him to them all this, like, time slips and people disappearing. He's like, the president asked me to make him a weapon, and I made him a weapon. And just walks away. I'm like, you're a scientist. He doesn't give a fuck about anything. Your attitude should not be so dismissive. <laughs> That's like his main character trait is that he dismi- he's dismissive to things that he should not be. Without missing a beat after that, he's like, he's like, oh, what did I do? Why, why did I make this machine? And oh, I just wanted to save the earth. And it's like, you did the exact opposite on purpose. You doomed us all. <laughs> He, he drives home in his uh, car he's in love with. Oh, Kit from fucking Knight Rider? Yeah. That he, that he Well, it's a female, and he calls it Baby. It's really uncomfortable. But it's designed like the fucking Batmobile from the old TV show. Actually, it looks like something they drive in Miami Vice. It is a very 80s-looking car. Um, and then he gets to his house, and there's a bunch of kids burying a bike? Yeah, but, like, okay, so he gets to this house, and, like, on the radio on the way there, they're like... Now we're having a we're having a ceremony because we're celebrating the fact that there's only a quarter of the rainforest left. And then he pulls up and he's on this luscious green fucking 20 acre plot of land with this mansion on it. What are we talking about? <laughs> and and yeah, these kids are burying a fucking bicycle and I didn't know what they were doing at first. I thought they were like planting a sapling on his front yard. They they don't bother explaining what they're doing. And you're just like, okay, they're burying a bike and they got a cross. Are they holding a funeral for the bike? <laughs> he walks up and these kids are like, Mekaleka hi, Mekaleka hi, ho. First of all, like, if I'm this character, I'm like, okay, 
Get the fuck off my lawn. Well, no, he gets a notif- He gets like a, a, a an alarm from his car from Baby, and she's like, "Oh, you want me to set off the security system?" He's like, "Oh, it's just some neighborhood kids." Serious, like, "Oh, we got some intruders." Some some neighborhood kids. Some neighborhood kids dug up your garden and buried a bike. You should be reacting to this. He doesn't react to anything throughout this entire film, so this original reaction was accurate. Yeah, but it's so fucking weird because he walks up and you don't even know what it is at first, and he's and he's like. Hey, kids, what are you doing on my property? And they're like, we had to bury it because it was dead. And he's like, well, how did it, what do you mean? How did it die? And they're like, see, we got a new one. And then it shows the new bike. And I'm like, wait a second. They're burying a fucking bike in this guy's lawn. And they're having like this whole ritualistic ceremony. And they're fucking throwing dirt on it and doing the consecration. And I'm like, what? the fuck what they're all dressed like 50s poke comics <laughs> but like what the fuck this is never explained and we never do this again they show the new age bike and the only difference is that now it's got like a metal wheel and it's like a little bit better chrome foot finish to it so then this time riff in this guy that we've been talking about fucking opens up and spits out some kind of i don't know Attila the hun oh he's a hun for sure <laughs> John Hurt's like, there's a storm, children, come inside. Where are you going? Come inside. These kids aren't listening to a word he said. They're just, like, getting to his bike. And John Hurt is, like, grabbing them. He's trying to pull them inside. And they're just, like, murmuring and coosing. Just... No, I need, I need my bike. Get off me, John Hurt. I don't want to go in your house. Get off me, you strange old man. Yeah, there's, like, a fucking hurricane, like, blowing everybody over. And they're trying to grab the bike. So out of this out of this sky vagina storm comes this, this hun on horseback he just gets spit right out he knocks john hurt down and he like goes to throw a fucking spear at him uh yeah then it the pulls attila we're just gonna call him back into the rift and then sucks dr joe buchanan his car and his watch that's important into this rift and he wakes up in so-and-so europe it's like army of darkness or uh what is that uh black knight with martin lawrence yes um or like what is it uh the the court's kid or something like that a kid in king arthur's court Mad Dog Bubblegum. It'll be important to remember also for the listeners out there that this uh, thing can teleport you to different locations on the planet this one time only. Well, it depends. All the settings have to be right, and it's completely random, and it's a completely random time period as well. Um, and he lands in this this time period that's not his, and he's kind of... First of all, if you when you come to and your first sight is like a farm made of dingy-ass wood in the middle of a fucking green-ass plain um, with no buildings or civilization in sight, something's probably wrong. Well, he asked the car, too. He's like, he's like, he's like, hey, he's like, hey, baby, run a diagnostic. And uh, there's no satellites orbiting the Earth. They can't get in touch with the mainframe where she pulls all her information from. And uh, she's like, we're alone, John. And he's like, oh, shit. So he pulls up to this fucking old abandoned barn, and he just sticks her in there, and he's like... He, he kind of claims it. Yeah, but he, he fucking just bumbles around the 1800s. This man, is a, this man is a scientist, okay? He's a scientist. He should know the repercussions of fucking something up in, a pa- in, in, in the past. Oh, we'll get to that, but like his initial reaction to time travel... Is like the same reaction you would have. If you like walked to, if you like found yourself in the wrong aisle at the grocery store. Like, oh, okay, let me turn around. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, hmm, uh, yeah, I'm here. He's like, oh, ain't that ain't that a thing? Anyway, let's go explore. <laughs> I love it. I love how he has zero reaction to the fact that the computer says, oh, the ozone layer doesn't have any deterioration. 
He, he just like, st- like, oh, okay, huh, that's interesting. He's like, that's cool, find me a satellite. And the car is like, I don't think we're in New Los Angeles anymore, sir. <laughs> God, that was so fucking bad. And I, and I love how he shoves it in, like you guys are saying, this little, like, fucking beaten down old shed, for the lack of a better term. Which could belong to someone, but he doesn't stop to ask. Yeah, he doesn't even bother, like, covering it up. Like, he doesn't go, like, all the way with the Marty McFly reference. He just, like, parks it in there and just walks away. Parks it and goes, all right, well, off to see things. The realization finally hits him, and he's like, Jesus, I eat Christ. And she's like, I have no record of a middle initial for Jesus. And he's like, very funny, car. And she's like, ha, ha, ha. Well, see ya. <laughs> it's completely what he does. Before he leaves, though, he, he asks the computer to basically run a diagnostic test to find out if there's a way to send him back to his time. And then she says conveniently, oh, that'll take me 96 hours to calculate. So he's stuck here for a little while. So he's like, I think I'm just going to go see the sites. Maybe have, maybe have some of the local cuisine. You know, like it's no fucking big deal. It should be noted that he has no current money or he has no current currency, so I should say. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know anybody. Um, and he's in a time period where pestilence and disease were rampant. And he's like, well, best gonna go, guess gonna mingle. He's just walking around in this this fucking blue fucking suit. And no one even, like, they, like, bat an eye at him for, like, a half a second and just keep walking. He's like, huh, seems normal. Yeah, like, it's that. that's what also got me, too, like... If they saw that kind of attire, they'd be like, where the fuck are you from, pal? Where the fuck where are you from? And then his first, he goes right to a tavern, doesn't he? He goes, yeah, he goes into a tavern and he sees, and he sees that he like goes over to the maitre d' and he's like, oh, uh, do you have anything to eat here? And and he's like, well, yeah, but, uh, well, I got a, he's like, I got a lamb chop something or other and a fucking trout. And he's like, well, how much is that? And he's like. 12 francs. Oh, they're in Switzerland, by the way. Yes. And everybody has a fucking British accent. Everybody is English. Which is funny because they filmed this movie in Italy. <laughs> yeah, but when he gets there, it looks like where they fucking filmed Sound of Music. It does. It, yeah, and part of this movie, parts of this movie look like, you two have ever seen the episode of Mr. Science Theater, The Quest of the Delta Knights? No. It is this, like, it, it's a fantasy movie starring, uh, I think, Leonardo da Vinci as a young boy. Oh, boy. And everything looks like it was made for $5. It's just a bunch of fucking Renfair extras and David Warner playing two roles. It's really bizarre. David Warner playing two roles? Yes, he plays the, I fucking he plays love the villain David and the mentor so to the hero. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> it's said that John Hurt's character has no money and then pulls out his wallet and does like a nervous laugh like, <laughs> what a minor inconvenience. There's like credit cards and his ID and the guy doesn't even, again, like Sean said, doesn't even bat a fucking eye. And I'm like, wouldn't you be like, Excuse me, sir. What is that thing you're holding? Is that a is that a wallet? The only one that has a genuine reaction is Victor Frankenstein. Everyone else is just like, huh? That's in. Oh wow. Okay. Well, well, he's enamored because of his knowledge, but we'll get to that in a second. So he pops his fucking he pops his wedding ring off and is like, how much would this give you? And he's like, ah, oh, fifty francs. And he's like, all right, fifty francs. And the trout. And he's like, and the trout. You got it, mate. Here you go. That's, that's First of all, it's the worst haggler I've ever seen. He just folds in the first offer. You're you're trapped here for uh, an indefinite amount of time, and you're trading your wedding, the only possession that's worth anything, for 50 francs. Well, I mean, if if I'm to learn anything about this character throughout the course of this movie, is that he doesn't really give a damn about anything. So that's a hunk of metal in his hand. Who cares? He, like, he knows for sure that, yeah, I'll get to where I'm going eventually. It's fine. I'll get back home. It's no big deal. I'm just in the fucking 1800s. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Anybody else be like, yeah, it's only the 1800s. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not panicking. He's, he's just sitting there thinking to himself, I saw that movie with Marty. <laughs> they don't have a cure for, like, typhoid or anything like that. Like, 
You're fucked. So he gets his uh, he gets his food and he goes to sit down and he pulls up a chair conveniently right next to <laughs> Raul Julia as Victor Frankenstein reading the newspaper and oh boy he goes to inquire with this uh, man of uh, apparently a man of knowledge and he's like oh, there's an old run if I sit here and Raul Julia's like. I can't stop you from sitting, so go ahead, you fuck. <laughs> it's a very kind of passive-aggressive, uh, like, please don't sit here, and John Hurt just fucking does it anyway. He's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for your generosity. And I just want to mention for a moment here, as I watched this movie, I forgot for a second who was in this film, and I thought David Bowie was having a conversation with Tim Curry over some fucking beans. <laughs> it's a film I really want to see. It grows into a beanstalk. Magic beanstalk. I'd watch the fuck out of that. Yes, I would. So, like, in the middle of this little conversation, they're kind of having a little exchange of pleasantries, and Buchanan's digital watch goes off, like, makes a series of beeps. The whole place, except for Frankenstein and Go, goes, huh? Anyway. Still a mild reaction, though. Where the fuck else are they hearing a beeping sound? <laughs> and Frankenstein's like, is that a timepiece? I, I guess this is, like, they're, they're foreshadowing for later in the film, because he says, oh, it's an electronic watch. And he's like, huh. All that in that little device. He's like, oh, the numbers move on their own. Huh. How do you wind it? Electricity, how did you get it so small? Which is, uh, the, I guess, maybe not the, well, the weapon is irresponsible choice number one. This is disastrous irresponsible choice number two, which is shoving a piece of advanced technology from hundreds of years into the future into a primitive human's face and saying, here, look at it. Starfleet specifically says, <laughs> do not introduce the, that technology to primitive cultures. You're not supposed to fuck with it. So, right now, Dr. Buchanan has already basically... I mean, this is also a universe where Victor Frankenstein has a real person. So, but he has already basically begun to unfucking spool time and space because you're not supposed to do these kinds of things when you time travel. Sit still! And time travel's weird, and it's obviously not real, so it has its own rules. But typically... You want to try to avoid fucking with fixed points, and this feels like a fixed point. <laughs> so then the waiter comes back, and he uh, brings him his food, and uh, he's like, uh, here's your trout and your exposition. Because <laughs> he just starts fucking going off about Frankenstein's, like, backstory. He's like, oh, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your, 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 your baby, Mr. Frankenstein. I'm sorry that it's dead. I'm sorry that that fucking girl killed it. I'm sorry that your fucking life is riddled with problems, and I'm sorry about your failed experiments. More or less. He basically, it's like walk up to Batman going like, I'm sorry your parents were shot in the alley that night. Just for John Hurt's convenience, and he's like, oh, right, thank you. That's an incident I shall insert myself into later. I'm going to meddle some more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Roll Julia packs up his shit and goes away because he's not, he's, well, he tells him, he's like, let's, yeah, come, come over, we'll have dinner, we'll talk about fucking watches. And then he leaves so that John Hurt can stalk him. I'm your biggest fan, Mr. Frankenstein. Does he jump in the back of his carriage in broad daylight? He fucking hitches a ride on the back of this carriage. Nobody says anything. And then, like, it kind of goes along, it goes a ways away, and then he kind of, like, he jumps off and rolls into a bush. And then Raul Julia gets off his carriage and then starts to verbally abuse his monster. Yeah, okay, so... Let's make this clear right now. The monster has been created. Yeah. Where we start the Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster story within this movie is about halfway through the book. It's like Bride of Frankenstein, really. No, it actually all of this all of this pretty much happens in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in the novel. Like he he even requests a bride in the novel. He's like, okay, because the monster uh, doesn't obviously he knows that he doesn't belong and he's an abomination and he's so barren and and, and lonely and he wants somebody else just as uh, barren and lonely as he is. See, I uh, I tried reading the book and I was really put off by it. So I made the effort. I bought it. It's in my closet. I just it feels like a lot of like 
I love my cousin. Oh, a monster. I mean, the mon- the monster is definitely a lot smarter in the book than he is in this movie. Yeah. I mean, he's still, like, learning things, but he learns quickly. Right. That's, like, a big part of the book. My biggest problem with all the incarnations, after reading the book, because I only had read it uh, last year, and I, and I, you know, I've seen the original Frankenstein, but my biggest problem with the film iterations of that story is the fact that not only is the monster way more cognitive, but, like, the the vibe I got from the book was that Victor was battling his own demons, and he was he was the one committing the acts that the monster had done. Like the monster was in his head. Nah, I didn't read it that way. That's the way I read it. I, I, I you know not to get too sidetracked because you know like I mean I read it like over fifteen years ago, so like don't hold me to it. But I think in the way I read it was that there you know the monster was bad. But fucking Frankenstein was bad for creating it. And, you know, they kind of go into that a little bit in this movie where the monster's like, hey, I wasn't, you know, you made me this way. Like, hey, like, I didn't ask to be created. Like, that's a big focus of the book. His reaction is always like, the monster's like, you made me. And Roger is Dr. Frankenstein's like, you made me. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Go fuck yourself. That is probably the most accurate part from the book in the whole movie is the fact that, you know... That that dynamic between those two characters is so shaky at all times. Right. I just I when I just read the book, I I just perceived it as the embodiment of the evil within him. That's all. No. Yeah. I I, I see where you're coming from. It's really interesting. Um. I wrote down when the when the monster who I just will just call Frank Jr. The rest of the movie. Frankie J. Baby. When he shows up, like he's kind of like kind of obscured by bushes, and I wrote down and I I spelled it how it's pronounced. Give me what I want. <laughs> I didn't know what he was gonna pull out of the bag like Ralph Julie is gonna pull something out of the bag dude his his fucking non-plus face when he just pulls out a pistol is the best he's like I don't care <laughs> he looks like Victor Crowley from fucking Hatchet yeah the design of this of this monster is really bizarre because I keep the whole film I was like why does he have extra thumbs he's got he's got extra thumbs he's got thumbs where his pinky should be who the fuck why would you do that and a skullet yeah <laughs> so Ralph Julia is having an argument with the monster, and uh, the monster gets pissed and like stamps his foot and like causes a rock slide. And John Hurt, where he's eavesdropping from, like rolls down a cliff with these foam rocks and gets like knocked out, and has like a dream where he's Bella Lugosi doing experiments on himself. Yeah, oh, well, no, that's the that's the second dream. This is the one where he's he's walking around, and he sees a bunch of like uh, dead mangled bodies. And he's like, and he, like, his dream version is like, who is responsible for this? Yeah, he looks like fucking Bela Lugosi in Dracula. Yeah, but it also just looks like a fucking photograph that was held up to a camera. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's this weird, like, it looks like you're watching a scene underwater. Isn't he gold? It's bad. In one of his dreams, he is, yes. Because there's like four of him in one dream, I think, later on. So, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's just, it's literally there for no reason. It never really is explained, unless I, unless maybe if you read the fucking Frankenstein Unbound book, maybe it makes more sense i was gonna say towards the end of this like i think there's some heavy ambition buried somewhere in this movie about like the woes of you know creating something ungodlike uh but it's only touched on like at the very end it's a mediocre book based on a really good book that was made into a really awful movie i'm sure there's a lot lost in translation uh, we described it before we started recording as frankenstein fan fiction that's what I was thinking while I was watching it. It's slash fiction, dude. What if I met Victor Frankenstein? Hmm? What if I went back in time and did Frank the Frankenstein stuff? I would constantly get knocked over and just kind of space out and have dreams. So he rolls down this hill, 
and he has this dream, and then he's still falling when he comes out of this dream, and he falls right into two German shepherds? Okay. As an animal care provider, someone who works in the veterinary field. When he's fighting him off with a stick? He's fighting him off with a stick? You're asking to get mauled. Again, he's a scientist. You should be smarter than this. And he's like, yeah, get get out of here. Maybe he had a Slim Jim in his pocket he forgot about. Then he would have fell into two Sasquatch. He, uh, he starts going back into town, and he, he uses his Franks to buy himself, like, some better clothing to match the era. Yeah, he gets some new duds. This is where he buys his David Bowie Lazarus outfit. Yes. Not all... Okay, so he gets his new duds, right? But before... Right before this, and after he fights off the German Shepherds, we're walking through the woods for, like, five minutes. Yeah, he's just lost. He's like, oh, well, what a day. That's a long time, like, in movie time. That's a long time. Yeah. And he's just wandering, like, oh, I lost my contact lens. (laughs) It has to be around here somewhere. Well, this is when he moves the car... I don't remember if it's, he moves it somewhere else, or this might have been where he actually puts it in that shed. But either way, that's there. That happens after the dream, and then he goes into the town. So there's a little bit of a break from like any kind of plot. No, he puts that car in that shed right when he gets there. So yeah, he moves it for some reason. I don't remember why. I think he goes back to like consult it for something, and the car's just like, I don't fucking know. We're <laughs> we're, in the, we're in the 1800s. What do you want me to tell you? It could also have been, you know, not that I'm trying to read too much into this fucking movie. But that be- he was on that carriage with Frankenstein. Like, we don't know how long he fucking booked a ride on there. Maybe he had to drive back. And honestly, it felt like they just turned a corner and then had some kind of encounter with the monstrosity. All the townspeople are like, do you hear that yelling? So he gets some new duds, and he's just, like, prancing around town. Literally. Like, he's loving it. He's like, this is great. I'm having a great time. Th- then he does this weird thing where he's like, oh, a trial. What r- ripping entertainment. And goes and just fucking walks in. <laughs> yeah, he just fucking comes in. And he's like, oh, this is interesting. All right, let's do this. And he sits down. And this this girl, Justine, is being tried for the murder of Victor Frankenstein's baby. And he sits down in a pew, like, way way up top next to next to the priest. And he leans over the priest, and he's like, Hey, Reverend, who's that beautiful girl over there sitting by herself? And he's like, I guess you're new around here. And John Hurt's like, What makes you say that? It wasn't my credit cards I pulled out last night. That's not what gave it away. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, That's Lord Byron's mistress. And he's like, Mary Shelley. And he's like, the Lord Byron? Like, I'm actually going to meet Lord Byron? Oh my goodness. And Reverend's like, yeah, he, Mary Shelley and Shelley, the poet, and Lord Byron are all having a menage a trois up at their fucking lake house. Their lake mansion. This, isn't this guy like, please don't sit with her like she's kind of currently maybe possibly spoken for. And he's like, what a pleasant conversation. Have a good day. And then goes and sits with her. I need to go get an autograph. I'll be right back. Goes over and then uh, doesn't he right away. Oh, because he does this with Frankenstein too. The recurring theme of like, I'm very familiar with your work. Stop fucking with history. They don't have any work yet. Yeah, no, he does say that immediately. Frankenstein has already made his creature, which is one thing, and he's also a fictional character. Now, we are going to an actual character from history who actually did something that influenced the horror genre. An actual culturally like effective and uh, pivotal figure. And he's like, hey, I love your book. And she's like, I didn't write a fucking book yet. And he's like, oh... Well, I liked it anyway. Well, you will. Wink, 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 wink. After he, d- after he does this stupid thing, he, he they show that Frankenstein and his wife are in the audience, and uh, some farmer or whatever is like up a- in trial saying, oh, you know, it was a-, a monster, some kind of big monster. 
I've got the footprint here on this fucking sand. Basically, he's got, like, sand in a box. Yeah, he, he dug the footprint up, and then some douchebag is like, Oh, lift it up for the court to see. Oh, it's spilled. Get out of here. Oh, old man, you're crazy. There's no monster roaming the hills. <laughs> it was this It was this 13-year-old girl who murdered the baby and ripped its arm off and smashed it to pieces. See, for a second, I didn't know it was his child, his, like, baby uh, brother. Um, And I'm thinking it's a grown man. I'm like, yes, this hundred and... Maybe nine pound, thirteen year old girl ripped a man's arm out of its socket. Well, from from what I remember in the book, he does have a brother, and he is murdered by the monster. But there is also a baby, and they do blame. And the baby is also murdered, but they blame a, the babysitter or the ki- one of the caretakers for the kids, or like a friend of the family. And the same thing pretty much happens. Like they blame her, and she and she goes to be hung or ha- or hanged rather. Yeah, and Victor just skirts all responsibility. So there's this little girl that's on trial, and she's gonna she's gonna be hanged for the the murder of of this baby. And the judge is just like, "Fuck it, you're being hanged tomorrow at noon. Death by hanging. You're a witch." Yeah, what the fuck is that? Okay, first of all, we're two decades removed from fucking witch trials. We we haven't been doing that for two decades. Okay, so I was like, "Why are we doing witchcraft in this bullshit?" Also, there's like five or six people at this at at this uh, hearing that are totally have American accents. No one is speaking in a genuine fashion that they should be. The pros- the prosecutor's like, "Yeah, you killed that fucking baby," and I'm like, "Wait, why does everybody else have a British accent and you have an American accent?" And then there's one guy in the audience, and he's like, "Huh, it was the spirits, you dumb old fuck." Because the, the old guy's like, "I hit my head. You see this? The the monster did that. It was the spirits." I'm not American. I'm Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I wrote down. I wish John would stop uh, inserting himself into various situations he doesn't belong into. Because um, he does it a lot. The rest of the movie, he's like, hmm, other people's business. I need to stop all of the bad things that are happening in history. I am a hero. You're an asshole. We get to a second uh, Roll Julia monster confrontation. Do we not? Yes. Yeah, because this is where we get a... Uh, this is where he's like, uh, you murdered my brother. The fr- fucking monster's like... What is murder? My brother! Has the world gone mad? <laughs> Something made me laugh. For this, this fucking monster's like pleading with uh, Victor. He's like, make me a mate like you promised. And Raljuya doesn't react, has a plain face on it. It's just like cautiously, like just slowly loading a pistol. Like, <laughs> I've got your answer right here. The monster like has John Hurt by the... He like... John Hurt follows... Uh, Raul Julia. He is the worst sneak on the fucking planet. I know. Everybody makes him. John Hurt's like behind a tree. Real, super close. Way closer than he was before on the rocks. And, uh, the monster's like, what are you doing, you fucking peeper? And he grabs him by the face. And he's like, hey, Raul Julia, I'm gonna crush this fucking guy's head unless you give me what I want. He just continues loading the flintlock. <laughs> he just keeps putting powder into it. And Raul Julia's like, you can kill this fucking guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't care. And it's funny, like, like you just said, Connor, because he's like... He's like, you murdered my brother. And he goes, murder? And I'm like, you just said you were going to crush John's Hurt's head. How do you not know what the fuck murder is? And Raul Julia's like, to take a life or to end a life. And then what is he like? He's like, he's like, make me a main or I will. Dramatic musical cue, eyebrows go up. Murder Elizabeth. Which also, which does happen in the book. Like this, this part is actually in like the original Frankenstein story. Save for the save for the bumbling time traveler. He uh, he threatens Victor to make him again. Like I had said before, he threatens Victor to uh, make him a mate so he can. 
be with someone who's just as lowly and fucking uh, weird as he is. If only Buchanan had read this book and could have warned any of these characters of their fate. If only he had read this book. Don't worry. He fucking has the car printed out, print out a hard copy for him. His, his car can do seemingly anything. He also mentions that he's read the book multiple times and yet constantly bad shit happens to people that could have been prevented if he really read this fucking book. He, if he read the book so many times, he should be well aware of what everyone's going to do well before they do it. And what are, what, what are the odds of this fucking guy getting sent back in time like a, a, a Mary Shelley fucking fanatic getting sent back in time to meet her? Basically, because he's fucking smitten. He's like, oh my god, it's Mary Shelley. Oh my god, I should have brought my first edition. And she's hot. And how the fuck does he know what she looks like? He just sees her. He's like, is that is that Mary Shelley? In the court, he's like, he's like, Shelley, the poet? And he's like, oh, before she was Mary Shelley, before she married him. So you're telling me there's a chance. So I have a shot with her, do I not? Yes. Oh, great. Here I go. Bona time. How about a blast from the past? And then Raul Julia and John Hurd finally have a little conversation. And uh, Raul Julia is like, where do you come from? The moon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I see that you've seen my monster. Well, he takes him to the car, too. Oh, yep. Here we go. He's like, I want to show you something that's going to blow your fucking mind. And by all accounts, it should. And Raul Julia's Frankenstein reacts to it like, you've mastered thermodynamics and the secrets of the universe. Good for you. A man who reanimated a corpse probably isn't that befuddled <laughs> by just by some metal and electricity. You know what I mean? Like harnessed electricity. Oh, oh, it goes fast. How interesting. I stitched a man's eyeballs together and made them function. I brought back the dead. Beat that. They call me Herbert West Reanimator. For some reason, I was thinking about that movie during this whole thing, and how much of a better Frankenstein story it is. Uh, this this is like I think it slam cuts to a fireworks display for whatever reason. Yeah, and the monster is not fucking having it. He he hates loud sounds. He hates it. He's like, kids, you fucking kids, stop shooting them goddamn fuzz poppers off. And Gandalf's giggling in the corner like. <laughs> well, this is also this is all the scene because in the previous scene, um. You know, he goes to Victor. He's like, oh, he's like, did you make him? Did you make this man? He's like, he's like, no, I didn't. He's like, I made you. And then uh, he, he sees these kids playing in the street, the monster. He's like, wait, wait, who, who made, made you? you? Like, this is like a reoccurring thing. He asks people before he attempts to murder them. Which is kind of a, like, I don't know. That's why I said there's some ambition buried in this. It's like Frankenstein trying to wonder. I mean, the monster trying to wonder what his place in the universe is is kind of interesting. Well, that's his, that's the inner, that's the inner turmoil of the monster character, but it's just so overshadowed by bullshit in this movie. We've already heard the story, and now you're kind of trying to do it with like a fucking future with a guy from the future that's kind of influencing the events of what's going on, and it's just like who gives a shit like. You don't care about the monster at all. Like, the, the anguish of the monster is just right out the window. No, because well, he's, he's an annoying jackass, and I wanted to die almost immediately. He's bothering these kids, and then this uh, this night watchman comes up and uh, just starts blowing a whistle, and the monster's like, can you stop that, please? And he just, like, the, the fucking dude... The fucking cuts back to this dude's face as his cheeks are just getting wider and wider, just insisting on blowing this whistle louder and louder and louder and louder. But he's being choked by the monster as he's doing it. And he's like, stop it. And he's like... <laughs> like right in his face, just blowing it off. He, he fucking makes him, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but he finally stops. The monster's like, don't do that. And he's like, okay, I'll stop. And the monster's like... Yeah, well, fuck you. I don't care anyway. And he punches a hole in him and rips his heart out. Like, you already stopped. Okay, it needs to be said, the gore in this movie is so jarring because everything else is so pedestrian. 
And they're just like, oh, violence. When the red stuff happens, it's fucking great. It is ridiculous later on. Um, I, it's, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, I didn't expect it. If it were in any other movie, it'd be a hilarious, like, awesome slasher film sequence. But it's in the wrong film. <laughs> Which it, this this is funny because he's like, "What's murder?" Hey, let me rip out your heart. Well, uh, the monster is supposed to be like simple in the fact that like he just wants him to stop. He doesn't know that he's actually taking his life, but he does. At this point, by this point, he knows that that he's not coming back, and he's already killed most of fucking Victor's family. So, um, so from here. We go to, what is it, John Hurt stalking again? Yeah, 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 he's stalking Mary Shelley this time, yeah. He's stalking Lord Byron and Mary Shelley from uh, from fucking way far away with some futuristic goggles. Yeah, well, he's he's driving in the car and he's like, he's like, hey, baby, bring up bring up Mary Shelley. And Mary Shelley, she's like, okay, uh, here's Mary Shelley. And he's like, print me out a hard copy of Frankenstein. And he's, he's like, okay, here you go. And there's like a printer in the fucking uh, glove compartment. And he like brings up her biography and historically accurate that she's living in a giant mansion with Lord Byron and the poet Shelley. Um, and conveniently, they're only, you know, a mile away from it. They're down the road. Yeah, they're down the road. And he's like, all right, take me there, baby. And she drives him to fucking Lord Byron's mansion. And then he just, like, he he's spying on him from a distance and then just, like, walks onto his property and, like you do, has a pistol drawn on him because this guy's like, excuse me, what are you doing here? Yeah, Lord Byron's like, hey, man. He's like Jim Morrison in this fucking movie. Why is he so wasted this whole film? Because he's a rich fucking aristocrat that does not. He writes poetry and fucking gets hammered. He looks like. He sounds like he huffs paint all day. It's because the actor got on set and he saw what he had to deal with and he had to leave the room and do that to actually make it through the scene. He was like, oh, John Hurt and Ron Julia don't care. Why should I? I feel like this is accurate, though, because, like. He's just he's just a rich he's a rich boy. Nothing matters to him because he has lots of money. No. And he he even says like it's so peaceful here. It's kind of boring. I need some more things in my life <laughs> around here. I just have too much money and too many servants and too much food and luxury that it's so stupid. I need another manor. I need a little weird things in my life. Come on inside, John Hurt. Do you want to meet my friend? And I love how John Hurt is like a like he gets called a trespasser and he's like I'm not a trespasser. I'm a great fan. I'm like you're still trespass you're still trespassing. And he's like, oh, I've already shot in three trespassers, so I need a better story than that. And he's like, uh. He only gets away with it because Byron is published by this point. And he's like, oh, I love your work. I'm a scientist. <laughs> Hi. And he's like, oh, really? Want to come have breakfast with me and Shelly? Yeah, and then he, what is he? He gives him, uh, again, disastrous historical decision number three. He just hands this guy, what is it? It's either, it's binoculars or sunglasses? Oh, it's binoculars. It's binoculars. Futuristic binoculars. He earns people's trust by, like, giving them, like, he's, like, he's a fucking European and they're Native Americans. He's like, here. He's like, it's like gifts from the gods, though. He gives them these, like, technologically advanced fucking super gifts. Exactly. And they're like, oh, you must be a man of great, great power and wealth. Oh, man, you must be really rich. Yeah, you're rich. Come hang out with us. It's cool. Which is basically, you know, how that works. What is he? He goes there because he wants to have Mary Shelley because he's like, oh, you were the book. You know how this ends. And he's like, here, go tell uh, the court that this girl's innocent. Oh, we missed something. <sighs> Before that, when he when he's showing Frankenstein the car, he's like, listen, you need to write. He's like, uh, I know the monster killed that killed your brother and it wasn't that girl and you need to prove her innocence because they're going to kill her tomorrow so he's like write this letter 
and I'm going to take it right to the judge, and we're going to get this uh, expunged. Raul Julie is like, sure, I'll write your letter and give it, but don't give it to the judge. Give it to Elizabeth. And he's like, okay. Who in no way has my interest as a priority. Yeah, and he has, like, his pen, and he's like, wow, something that doesn't run out of ink. I don't have to recharge it. And he's, like, writing this letter, and he's like, and I just licked this part of the envelope? And he's like, yeah, you just licked the part of the envelope. He's like, like, mmm, tastes like peppermint. (laughs) Here you go. So John runs that uh, letter to Elizabeth, and turns out it has nothing to say about proving the the girl's innocence whatsoever. And John Hurt's like, oh, shit. I have been had. And that's why he goes to Byron's mansion to, for whatever reason, because, she- oh, Mary Shelley's been following the case, the trial, so she must know that the girl's innocent. Maybe she knows something that will uh, save save this girl. Well, then he, he basically kind of sits there and has an awkward breakfast with these three. Uh, by the way, the actors who are playing Shelley and Lord Byron look way too similar. Um, they're both unassuming white guys with black hair and sideburns. Yeah, but I feel like that was the style then. We have you have two little rich boys having sex with the same girl in a mansion. That is really weird. <laughs> that was like the norm, dude. That's what they did, you know. Um, and then he's like, "Oh, I made a terrible mistake, and I must go now," and just fucks off to somewhere. I'm not even sure where he went. <laughs> this turns into fucking Madame Bovary. I'm telling you, that's what it, that's what this part is. Oh, not yet, because this. This hilarious sequence has to happen first, because this is when we get to the gallow sequence where little Justine's going to get hanged. This is part of it. This is the seedling that is the tree that is Madame Bovary in the middle of this fucking film. Yes. Um, so John Hurt runs up to the fucking gallows right before this girl's about to be hanged, and, like, for some reason, gets this harebrained idea that he's going to be a fucking action hero, picks up the executioner's axe. By the way, when he pushes this priest off the fucking the gallows, and he just goes, Ha! I laughed really hard. Was that the same guy from earlier in the film? It's like his payback. I hope so. I'm surprised they didn't kill him right... I didn't, I'm surprised they didn't just fuck him right in the street. They, they, somebody should have shot him. I mean, they beat the shit out of him. Look, this is the 1800s in Sweden, and you are interfering with a law-given order to kill... to, to execute someone. They're not putting up with your shit. It's the due process of time, but it's still due process, and, like, you're getting in the way... And he goes up and knocks this priest down, which is, first of all, that should be an offense, um, and attempts to, like, he, he grabs this and he's like, go, and he's like, the girl lives today, and then just gets his fucking ass handed to him by, like, <laughs> six peasants. Well, if this was, like, now, he would have been shot, like, in a courtroom, you know what I mean? They would have hesi- they would have not even hesitated and just took him down. No, dude, that, uh, what is that, that fucking Olympian doctor had that dad lunge at him in the courtroom, and he was set upon by, like, 18 security guards, like... Yeah, but that should have, they should have let that guy go and fuck that guy up. They should have let him get a few fucking punches in. At least. So then, like, they, they beat up John Hurt. And as a crowd, they just, they pick him up and carry him all the way downtown. <laughs> they carry him all the way downtown to the fucking docks and throw him in the water. And he's like, Ollie, you watch. And then he has another dream. And this is the dream where he is, he's strapped to a table with another him in like a fucking, his Bela Lugosi cloak, firing a laser at his arm, severing it. And he's like, we will make you better. And he cuts his fucking arm over the laser. It's like a James Bond villain. Yeah, it's so bizarre. I expect you to die, Mr. Bond. Um, I've, I want you to die, Mr. Bond. Wakes up again from another dream. Um, 
on the shoreline, and Mary Show is just there. She's like, hey, John, how you doing? Yeah, and this is where it becomes a soap opera for quite a while. Yes, now we're going full-on Madame Bovary, all right? Um, I mean, like, just, like, she, what, does she have his binoculars? Yeah. Yeah, because she says she saw the entire scene from across the lake. I'm like, those are pretty fucking good binoculars if you can see through buildings and into alleys. <laughs> they see through buildings. They're x-ray specs. So I think he gifted them to Byron. That's why she has them. But still, it doesn't make any sense, like you said. But she's like, what a colossal failure you are. No, I'm, that's not what she says. She's like, come inside and let me get naked. So he shows her the car, and he's like, yeah, chicks dig the car, right? And he's like... And she's like, wow, this is impressive. And uh, they're driving down along the countryside. And he tells her all about her life. And like, he's like, you're going to write this great book. It's called Frankenstein. Here's the hard copy. And she's like, oh, my God, what happens at the end? And I'm, and I'm like, John Hurt, don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking dare fuck this up any more than you already did. <laughs> well, I don't know why he even fucking prints this thing out if he's not going to read it or give it to her. Like, what was the whole point of that? Just to waste some fucking paper? Yeah, I'm going to save the environment. Well, let me pages." print this 200-page book and just never do anything with it. Yeah, but now he's finally having second second thoughts about it. He's like, he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't tell... Maybe I shouldn't show you that. Yeah, because he still wanted to get in her pants. He didn't want to fucking send her on her way quite yet. Well, she asks him, she's like, do I, do I die young? Do we die young? And he's like, uh... I don't want to tell you that. And he's like, oh, you're Mary Shelley. And she's like, Mary Shelley? But I didn't mar... I didn't literally marry Shelley yet. He's like, well, congratulations. Here you go. It's it's so weird that he this is this this is the line he has where he's like, I shouldn't tell your future because that's really irresponsible at me being a time traveler. But the rest of the film, he's like, have this watch. Look at my car. <laughs> he's like, he's so like self-centered that he's only thinking about himself and like all these adventures he can go on. And then like, you're not thinking about the bigger picture here, man. This this guy is a piece of shit. And then, and then what is it? This this goes right into weird, upbeat, dramatic, romantic music like twirling hugs ran to a bit yeah she's just, he he's just like you know more about the future than i know about the future and she's like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about like, <laughs> kiss me and they he fucks mary shelley that's a disastrous thing because like what if you got her pregnant what if she fell in love with him and didn't marry shelley and didn't become mary shelley and didn't write the book this is fry being his own grandpa all over again oh i wrote down i wrote down gonna fuck mary shelley like i fucked time i'm gonna break it like i broke time here we go and then i, I think he goes to visit Victor again, and he they are they're having a weird conversation, and um, Victor's like, I have to make him a mate. I promised him. He threatened to kill Elizabeth. Maybe, maybe this is just a thought. Maybe you should have told the monster you're going to make him a mate before it tracked down and killed your wife. How about that? <laughs> and like, it's been a, it's it's been like three days. Yeah, he's, he's he's had time. Like in the book, he's like, oh man, I don't want to do this, but I'm I'm just going to do it, and he does it, and Elizabeth doesn't die. Until he fucks up, and then, <laughs> and then the monster's like, "Look, you fucked up my bride. I'm gonna kill your wife now." That's how that goes. So yeah, and then Frank is that this monster is apparently faster than a fucking carriage, even though his legs are made of carcasses. Oh my god! He starts running after this carriage. I'm like, this is ridiculous. He is galloping. How are you gonna catch up to two fucking horses? When you're like, you're like, every part of you is stiff. Like we've seen you walk. Like you walk like you're full of planks. He walks like Rumpelstiltskin, but taller. <laughs> he walks like he's got rigor mortis. Yeah, naturally. And, and what is he? He somehow maneuvers in front. He he outruns the carriage, gets in front of it, and just pushes on the shit the horses are attached to and stops the carriage. Oh, my God. First, he jumps on the back of the fucking carriage, and Elizabeth turns around. She's like, oh, my God, it's the monster. And he's like, I'm going to get you. She turns back around, and he's gone. I'm like, huh, okay. What, 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 is he going to pop out from the side and, like, grab her and, like, choke her? Nope. 
she looks forward and he like comes up between the two horses and he's like, hey, how you doing? And he grabs the horses by the throat, their throats, and like plants himself in the ground and stops the fucking horses. Also, I think they're implying that he crawled underneath the carriage while it was in motion and somehow managed to like Spider-Man his way up into the front of it. Yeah, he's like the fucking headless horseman crawling around this fucking thing. Uh, so he stops the carriage. Uh, Elizabeth falls over and then they have a weird exchange. I can't remember what he says to her. But then he, it's, this is the weirdest cut I've ever seen. He goes, Victor made me. And she's like, oh, you know Victor? Well, I'm his <laughs> wife, so don't kill me. I'm going to be his bride, so uh, so why don't we just be friends? And he's like, no, I'm going to kill you. He's like, ah, let me help you with that blouse off. And ah, fuck, not again. This is awkward. I have to kill you. You're thinking it's about to go into some gratuitous nudity because he grabs her shirt and goes to rip it off. And instead, he rips her whole chest open and she dies in agony yeah it just like pops up. it's like it's literally a second and it her fucking chest just pops open i'm like what just happened did he cut her with something dude it's like it was like he popped open a fucking fortune cookie just yeah there was no like struggle it just went and that was it uh and then john hurt who has the uh he has the power to be in places where the plot dictates he has to be <laughs> yeah what is he doing there i don't even know um, oh, it's because uh, him and him and Earl Julia were at his house uh, talking about how Victor should probably rethink giving his monster a mate. Um, and then some, like, townspeople show up out of nowhere and blame John Hurt. They're going to fucking lynch him. John Hurt's even like, I-, I didn't do this. And they're like, the guy from before that's in Elizabeth's house, that's like her uh, her keeper or protector, what have you. Oh, this dude, yeah. He's, the, he's leading this mob, and he's like, you motherfucker. You were at Elizabeth's house, and you killed her. First of all, where was this mob... Previ- prior to this. Waiting in the bushes. Uh, for what? Lon Chaney. <laughs> <laughs> this is somehow a shittier version of the Universal Monster Cinematic Universe. So they go to Lynch John Hurt, and then this movie kind of forgets what it is for a few minutes, uh, and the monster shows up, and just, he fucks people up on a hysterical level. Because he's like, pulling people's arms out he's ripping them in half he's breaking backs he's beating people with their severed arms like it's just like goo and splatter and red stuff everywhere i have written down that like roger corman was like okay i really want this scene and then they wrote around this scene because it's the most well-directed part of the whole entire movie it's like a fucking uh, evil dead sequence like it's all up close and intense and just like sound effects everywhere frankenstein's like tells the monster he's like you better go save john hurt because he's the only one who can who can make your mate and 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 bring uh, elizabeth back from the dead and he's like oh shit and he goes over and like you said like he walks over and just starts ripping people's fucking arms off and punching holes in people. Yep. And it's just like, wow, that was cool. And like grabbing people by the rib cage and like just pushing their chests in. It doesn't vindicate this movie whatsoever, but No, it's just it's just startling and hilarious. So then the monster saves John Hurt and he again he's knocked out again and has a fucking dream sequence. I wrote this down because it ties into John Hurt reacting to time travel like he's in the wrong out of the grocery store. Uh Victor reacts to Liz's death in the same way you'd react to losing your keys. He is completely, he's like, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, no, not again. Ah, rats. I should have I should have said something sooner. So this is the, this is the dream that makes the least sense out of any of them. You've got, you've got the fucking, the trio from the mansion standing there with candles, like, just staring them down while he's, like, laying down in the bed, giving them all, like, bedroom eyes. I don't remember that dream at all. 
I watched this movie three times. It's weird. It, it, I, I well, don't... Mary's there in this dream, and she's like watching him. What, what was the point of these fucking dreams? Like that's the thing. I like not not to stay on that, but there's no follow up in any of these dreams. They don't affect anything. Nothing comes to fruition, and there's no there's no like meaning behind it either. There's no symbolism. It's just bullshit. I gather it would be like his subconscious, like kind of bringing up all this horrible shit he's doing. But he doesn't seem to feel bad about anything. I mean, maybe he's a tortured man, but that's in another movie, not this one. So, Victor Frankenstein basically makes him volunteer uh, to help him create the Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, by having the monster choke him half to death. Well, Julie's like, I can't do it without the car! I need the car! It's got the most power, and you are the only one who knows how to use it. Yeah, and then, like, while this is happening, John Hurt's character is, like, devising a plan to use the car's energy to fire a laser into the sky and... Rip open their time rift and timey wimey wibbly wobbly nonsense. Well, that's his, that's his fail safe. He's like, all right, I, he's like, I really fucked up bad, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to help Frankenstein make the bride of Frankenstein. So this is my fail safe. So he sets up this laser that's inside the car. So he rigs the car with the monster, uh, to to uh, get power from. They're in a, they're in a they're in a church, and they rig the car up. A, with these heavy-duty wires up to the uh, the metal cross on top of the church. So when the lightning bolt hits it, that fused with the power from the car will reanimate Elizabeth's corpse. So John Hurt's like, okay, well, I don't want to do this, and this is this is my last uh, this is my last chance because he asks the car for the diagnosis of what he asked before about the laser sending him back to his own time. So she's like. Yeah, this probably isn't gonna fucking work. And he's like, "I don't care. We're gonna do. Uh, I, even if I'm obliterated, I don't care." So he points the fucking laser at the at the church and just keeps doing what he's doing. And like his car, his car tells him, "Like, hey, time and space is broken. Like, it's busted. Like, doing this is dangerous." And he's like, "Well, whatever." Yeah, she's like, she's like, time, space unbound. Yeah, it turns out he's the reason the Cloverfield monster invaded New York City. <laughs> Then we get to the resurrection sequence, I guess, which is, it's like, Raul Julia, what the fuck, man? Like, this is probably your chance to start the overacting. And he's just like, she lives. This this is also the part where they just, like, decide to, like, just, like, be like, oh, well, why do you want the monster destroyed? Because he's an abomination against God. It's like, that's just, like, for the last, like, 20 minutes of the film, that's, like, the justification for everything that's happening. Yeah, so they re- so they reanimate Elizabeth, and he's like, Behold, the temptress of Waikiki! And, uh, she, she wakes up, and, uh, the laser charges up and fucking, uh, blasts them all into, like, an icy tundra. And Raul Julie's like, What did you do? What did you do, John Hurt? Put it back the way it was, or I'll blow your fucking brains out. And he's like, No. I can't. And first, okay, what is John Hurt doing here? He's doing like this the, this weird self-hug. He's trying to get warm, man. He's got his arms wrapped all the way up around his shoulders. like his... It's freezing, and they are not properly dressed at all. And there's like a big hole in the side of the church, and they're just like on this icy tundra. Yeah, I, the, the implication is they were blasted into the future, all of them. And Victor Frankenstein's outrage is like, put it back the way it was. And then Elizabeth starts waking up, and uh, like, was... Was Victor's intention here to bring back his wife and not for the monster? Because he's like, come to me, Elizabeth. And she's like, no, I also have extra thumbs. That's why I said, like, he's doing this out of being selfish. Like, he's like, I'm going to bring my wife back to life. And uh, she's going to love me, and I'm going to kill this fucking monster that I made. Um, And the monster's like, I finally have a mate. And uh, Elizabeth realizes the awful 
creature she is and she's like I should totally be dead and uh Victor's like uh come here Elizabeth real quick and uh he grabs her and go and points at the uh, the monster to shoot him and kill him and Elizabeth grabs the the musket and like puts it towards her chest and he fucking blows a hole right in her and she's she dies. A lot of lot of, lot of heart trauma in this movie. Um so then she dies and in continuing the trend of horrifying violence the monster walks up to Victor Picks him up in the air like he's gonna give him a Golo classic backbreaker, but instead, like fucking corkscrew, twists him halfway in half and then back the other way and just drops him on his head. He just picks him up and he just twists him like a fucking he like he's wringing out a towel and throws him into the and throws him into the snow. Ragdolls a shit of him and tosses him in the snow and Victor's like, oh that that was it. Meanwhile, Buchanan's just standing there with like his mouth <laughs> open. But right before that, Raul Julia's like, kill my monster. Oh, the monster runs away and he's like. You gotta kill it. It's an abomination. Here's my pistol. Buchanan would have no investment, like, in destroying the monster now that he's in the future. Like, well, fuck him. Do Let him do what he wants. He could wander around, probably get killed. You have fucked up the future so bad already, and now you're in it. Why do you care if this monster lives or dies? Why do you care? Yeah, you have no investment in it. I do we'll just go back a few minutes. I love, and this is, again, a missed opportunity for Raul Julia when he's like, put it back the way it was, and he's like, I can't. And he just lifts his pistol and goes, then damn you. Fucking one tone the whole film. Raul Julia did not want to be there. No. Nobody did. The guy playing the monster was the only one, and unfortunately, he didn't have a whole lot to work with. Raul Julia gives a more lively performance in Street Fighter, and in that film, he is literally dying. I think he gave up. That's why. He was like, this is going to probably be my last performance. And he's like, game over! Yeah, he just fucking goes all in. It's great. Uh, and then this monster, like, escapes. Well, the, mo- the monster escapes, and Buchanan, like, follows him with a fucking blanket wrapped around him, walking through the tundra, until he comes upon the, the fucking hatch from Lost, and he just fucking jumps down like it's no problem. The sand people walk in single file to hide the numbers. It's implied this is his laboratory in the distant future or something like that? Well, I think it's implied it's a laboratory, but it's also, like, pretty heavily implied that they're in Switzerland after the world has been, like, nuclear bombed. Yes, and it's I think it's his technology that destroyed the world, is what I think the implication is. Yeah, a whole lot of conveniences start to pile up in the end of this film. But he removed victor from then that time unless the car was still there and somebody else followed in his footsteps that's actually a good point i didn't think about that because he says towards the end uh, we'll get there well let's go in more depth after we get through this fucking funny ass fight scene (laughs) (laughs) this uh this laser tag fight sequence so he walks into this laboratory and they're like hello welcome john hurt welcome back or welcome mr buchanan and he's like oh shit and uh the monster comes in and he's like I love what you've done with the place. It's barren, and I love it because I suck, and so does this future. Why is the monster suddenly conversational and inquisitive? Because he was surrounded, essentially, by beauty before, you know, and he was so out of place in that world, but he he feels like he belongs here because it's just an icy nothing outside. Okay, because I'm like, why is this monster all of a sudden way more intellectual than he was 30 minutes ago? Again, we're, again this, is, this is like playing upon the anguish within the monster himself, so... But again, like, it has no fucking place in this particular iteration of the story. I don't know, but by this point in the movie, I felt pretty fucking bad for the monster, especially when, like, you know, Buchanan just starts to unload on him, and he's just like, why Why are you trying to hurt me? Why are you trying to kill me? And he's like, because you're an abomination against God. And he's like, what are you? And he's like, I don't know. I'm a Frankenstein. And he shoots fucking, he shoots this thing in the head. And then, oh yeah, and then he gets up 
rips his own arm off? Well, he, he he shoots him in the arm, and he just rips it off, and is like, fuck it, I'll use this as a club. Fuck it, I'll use this as a weapon. It's, just- <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking meat club, and he's, like, trying to kill John Hurt. He goes full Quan Chi and starts to, tries to beat him with his own limb. The whole movie, like, he's disposing of everybody, no problem, and he's chasing John Hurt around with his arm, and he's trying to beat him with it, and he's like, come here, you little devil, and he just keeps, like, escaping him every time. He's trying to play fucking whack-a-mole with this guy. Yeah, but, like, John Hurt's, like, totally dodging him every time. This Also, they're fighting him. It looks like, I, I'm not kidding, it looks like a laser tag arena. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. There's just all this shit everywhere that's just designed to make, like, give you cover, and there are literal laser lights just shining everywhere. And it, like, they, they have this ridiculous fucking whack-a-mole chase sequence, and then, like, John Hurt's character, like, lures him into this central part where the monster's bombarded by lasers and starts to fucking melt, which is not how his lasers worked, I thought. I thought it was supposed to displace whoever, whatever it was shooting at. No, it just takes him to do a little clap on, clap off. Yeah, his lasers are equipped with the fucking clapper, P.S. He can suddenly control them with his hands. And you're right, they're, they were they were matter displacement lasers, and now they just burn shit to death. Now they just, then they just fucking kill you horribly. They also open doors as well. So then, like, this is where the movie, like, I, I feel like there was more to whatever this ending was, because the monster's like, you can't kill me, blah, blah, blah. And then fucking drops dead. Yeah, he turns into a lawnmower man at the end. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He's like, You can't kill me. I'm a part of you. I'm Frankenstein, unbound TM registered trademark. And then the Terminator fucking theme starts playing. He pops out of this bunker, then, like, it seems like a voice is coming from the clouds, like, like, uh, I am Frankenstein, unbound. Copyright 1990, Roger Corman Films. The implication is, like, uh, the laser is obviously Buchanan's Frankenstein creation, and he's let it loose on the world, and everything's doomed, I guess is the implication. Yeah, I think that's what is implied, but it does not come across that way at all. No. It, because we don't explore it any further. Like, the laser, like, opens the door, and he walks out, and he sees Epcot Center. <laughs> I can't wait to go see Captain EO in this fucking post-apocalyptic future I created. I hope the globe is open today. So then the movie fucking ends. <laughs> Thank God. That's literally it. This movie has no excuse for being the way it is for all the talent that's involved. I, sh- I shit on Monster in the Closet pretty bad, but honestly, like, I I almost feel bad that I ra- like racked on that fucking movie so much because this movie is like way worse. This is fucking... It, Monster in the Closet is Citizen Kane compared to this fucking movie. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> well, Monster in the Closet is, is self-aware enough to like kind of make jokes. They're bad jokes, but they're jokes anyway. And, like, this movie is humorless, this movie is bizarrely paced, and it's just full of what-the-fuckery, which is kind of why I adore it. Yeah, like, the way I, I think about it, at least just to compare the two one last time, is just, like, Monster in a Closet, it had heart. This movie, it was like, I, I don't know what the fuck they thought they were making. This movie tanked, by the way, in theaters. This movie made, I think, $350,000. And the budget was $11 million, Ooh. and it only oh and it God. only made three three hundred fifty thousand. Can you fucking believe oh that? I'm God. surprised fucking Corman didn't go bankrupt after this shit. I'm surprised we ever heard from Julia and Hurt again. And out of that 11 Point five million. Uh, Corman got paid a million. Um, this movie's kind of found life as a weird little cult film, but kind of falls in the bottom of people's lists just because of the people who are in it. Like, there's parts that I would be like, "Oh, you need to see this part," but this is very much one of those movies where I'm like, "Oh, look up the clip on YouTube." Don't watch the whole fucking movie. Just look up the clip because this shit. Most of this is just born, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, 
I, I was up till three this morning and I got up at like five and I'm watching this movie before and I fucking fell asleep for like a solid 10 minutes. <laughs> and when I woke up, I was in the same fucking spot. This, this is like, um, this is like when you tell people like, go on YouTube and look up the garbage day clip from Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. But for the love of God, don't watch that movie. No, because you could just watch the first one and be thoroughly entertained because the second one is just clips from the first movie and then him doing garbage day at the end and that's it it's like not having to suffer through troll 2 by just watching the oh my god clip but like but watching troll 2 you can there you can get something out of that like it's not boring like it's funny and stupid and it's shitty and you can totally have a good time with it this is more like we have classically trained actors doing their thing trying their best with this stupid fucking movie and uh it's mostly just painful, and that, the first hour is is offensively not uneventful. Yeah, it's it's incredibly boring. Like, and then when something interesting actually does happen, you're so taken aback. It's like, oh, I gotta, I, I have to pay attention again. Hold on, let me stop what I'm doing. It's like watching paint dry, and in the middle of watching paint dry, something explodes. Yeah, someone crashes through the fucking wall or something. We forgot to mention that Bridget Fonda's in this movie. Well, Bridget Fonda is Mary Shelley. Yeah, <laughs> but who can give a shit? That's three big a- big actors with Roger Corman, and the results are so fucking meddling, uh, middling, and like unimpressive. I, she must have went from this to singles, right? I would think so. I think that's like right. That's got to be right after. Now this is 1990. I didn't I didn't look up singles, but it's got to be like right after this. And then she does fucking you know Lake Placid six years later or seven years later rather. And that's like the last you hear of her for a while. Yeah, and this is uh, this is which is funny about Raul Julia because like this is kind of the last few years of his life and career. I know, and it's fucking sad. Yeah, and it's it's weird. I forgot to mention this during the during the actual talk, but like this movie has a lot in common only in regards to quality with Overdrawn of the Memory Bank with Raul Julia. It's this fucking it's pro, it's based on what could be a relevant sci-fi novel that's turned into this fucking boring and hilariously inept sci-fi film. And I think Overdrawn the Memory Bank was made for PBS and it was a made-for-TV film. Here we have a great novel that some other hack took and made made a shitty, like, mediocre, like, drugstore paperback. <laughs> and then Roger Corman took... He made a bootleg. Yeah, he made a fucking bootleg. And he was like, I'm gonna be Philip K. Dick with Frankenstein. Look, watch this. And then Roger Corman was like, that, that sounds like shit. I'm gonna make that a movie because I'm Roger Corman. Everybody loses except me. Yeah, basically. Street Fighter was Raoul's last film, but I'm just, you know, I, I'm so happy that he got to make those Adams Family movies. They immortalized him. He'll forever be remembered for that, and thank God he won't be remembered for this shit. Yeah, and John Hurt, which I make the, the Doctor Who comparison is very amusing to me because... John Hurt played the War Doctor in Day of the Doctor in the 50th anniversary. So, uh, me, I'm just like, you should be more responsible. Come on, you were the Doctor. <laughs> You'd know better. And I think, like, John Hurt's filmography is, like, is John Hurt's filmography is all the place. But th- I don't think anybody ever talks about this. No, but you're the, you're a classically trained actor. You're fucking Kane in Alien. You're fucking the Elephant Man in, in David Lynch's film. You're fucking the storyteller in Jim Henson's The Storyteller. What the fuck are you doing in this piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird movie. Um, as far as where I put it, the dumpster. I, it's I mean, me personally, it's kind of a it's it's a treasured find only because it's so bizarre. So I would probably find it where you go like elbow deep. You're like ooh. Um, I, you know. Just to keep the theme going, I don't remember exactly where I shoved uh, Monster in the Closet. I know it was pretty close to the bottom of the dumpster. You put Monster in the Closet at the bottom. I w- I'm going to take a fucking drill. I'm going to I'm gonna swim to the bottom <laughs> with a fucking hazmat suit on. I'm going to do the backstroke to get in there. I'm going to take a big fucking drill. You know, move Monster in the Closet a little. 
you know, you know, take that drill, drill a big fucking hole, and then shove this in the bottom of it and cover it back up <laughs> with a dirty diaper and a couple of fucking bagels that have gone a week or two too long. You 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 cover the hole with a separate dumpster? Yeah, a, a miniature one that I got off Amazon for $4 <laughs> that's filled with a dog turd. If I had to put it in the dumpster, I would probably... Jesus Christ. Um... Jesus H. Christ. There is no middle initial for Jesus Christ. This is the the liquefied fucking banana <laughs> peel. This fucking stinks like a dead animal, okay? I don't want to be anywhere near this shit. I just don't need it. You're ruining some great classic literature, and you're shitting on these great actors that somehow agreed to do your movie. I will say one thing, though. This this movie did make me want to reread the original novel. I mean, I guess that's a positive. To be to be completely honest with you, I hadn't read it till last year, and I thought it was great. And like I said, I uh, you should definitely check it out. And I and I want to know what you think because, again, like I've I got I got this distinct feeling that like the embodiment of Frankenstein's evil is the monster, but the monster isn't necessarily an actual being. Like, it's just in his head, kind of. Like, because nobody else knows about the experiment except him, and this monster has been parading around all over the place, but nobody's actually seen it except Victor. And it kills all these people, but everybody blames Victor anyway, or somebody else. So I, I, always, I took it as the monster was just his his evil within himself you know and especially at the end of the at the end of the book uh like i had mentioned before with with him being on the boat he's on the boat a spoiler for anybody who hasn't read the book but uh fuck it, it how old's a goddamn book it's like 200 years old spoilers for a 200 year old book he's on a, a boat and the monster like sneaks aboard the boat and he thinks he's finally rid of the creature or or what have you and it like sneaks in a porthole and it's like Hey, Victor, I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, but that's what I'm thinking. Like, he's like a schizophrenic, or this is all in his mind, and he has been committing these awful acts of violence against his own, you know, because he's just, you know, because he's crazy. Unfortunately, in this movie, that's not the case, or else maybe it would have been a better film. I have a, I have a, I have a fun question. Is this a better Frankenstein movie, or at least this is a better Frankenstein representation than Van Helsing, or no? Not at all. Didn't see it. I do remember when that trailer first came out, uh, you know, years and years ago, and I was like, wow, they made a fucking Castlevania movie, and then when the Van Helsing logo came up, I immediately lost any interest. In that. <laughs> that movie is a guilty pleasure for me. I fucking love that. That movie is stupid as fuck, and it's so funny. It's so good because it's so bad. That's something that I enjoy with my dad. Like, that's one of those, that's one of those movies that I watch with my dad because it's, like, stupid as fuck, but we both love it, you know? It's just like Universal Monsters put together. It's like Monster Squad, but with fucking uh, Hugh Jackman. It's it's Universal Studios presents the Avengers. I like it. I, it's fucking... I, I think it's corny and awesome. But, like, uh, the Frankenstein in that movie, comparatively to this one, is more... is is actually the full embodiment of how we perceive Frankenstein's monster in film. Like, he is this troubled misunderstood creature that nobody likes but he's got a heart of gold you know and i think they do that really well in that film everything else is is schlocky schlocky stuff yeah no it's it's not it's not meant to be taken seriously and it's just fun dude like he fights fucking dr jekyll and he fights a fucking wolf man and he fights the fucking vampires and dracula it feels like a sequel to it feels like a sequel to league of extraordinary gentlemen we had to revisit that for phantom zone and i was fucking miserable the whole time <laughs> When's the last time you watched Van Helsing? I don't even fucking know. I highly suggest go back and watching it. The graphics don't really, you know, the CGI doesn't really hold up, but it's 
it's a fun movie to watch. Like, turn your brain off, get some fucking booze or some fucking Jaybirds, and just chill out and watch that. I think I'll do that. All right, then. I think we've, uh, I think we've beaten this monster to death. Oh, that's right. No, we. That's right. We can't kill it. It's always with us. No, no, no. We killed it with fire, <laughs> and it's fucking dead. I, I, I ripped off my own arm and beat it to death. <laughs> so that's it. That's Frankenstein Unbound from 1990, directed by Roger Corman. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Follow us at moviedumpster on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also check out our sister podcast, The Phantom Zone, hosted by our very own Connor McGraw. You can find them at phantomzonepodcast.wordpress.com. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Did you make it clear that the girl is innocent? And you simply lick this? Yes, it tastes like peppermint. <laughs> Victor, the girl. Yes, certainly, the girl is innocent.